0: Good morning, Church. For those that, oh, nice to uh, For those that don't know me, I'm Matthew. I'm one of the um, part of the preaching ministry here at the church, and one of the members here. So, uh, it's just a really grateful for the opportunity to preach God's word this morning. Uh, if you're a visitor here, sort of wondering what's going on, this is the, this is the part where we spend a little bit of time uh, hearing from God's Word uh, during the sermons, so um, trust you'll be blessed by that. And if you do have a Bible um, and you haven't got that open, I encourage you to uh, turn to Philippians, uh, Philippians near the end of the New Testament, it's a PHF sound uh, if you're looking for it, so, um, but yeah, feel free to follow along with that and I'll, I'll yeah, because I'll be referring to that quite a bit Um just, it's good to see a lot of people here. I was just thinking during the week, some, some people really struggle to get here on a Sunday uh, for various reasons, So, um, and some are watching online as well. Um, but yeah, it's just good to have people here um, and yeah, just being part of God's people and gathering together. Um, and yeah, just want to open in prayer. Um, and for those that didn't catch last week as well, Stefan and Rennell um, had uh, their child, Lucas, um might just pray for them as well. Obviously new newborns as always there can always be challenges. So yeah, we'll just pray for them as well this week too. And, there, and there's other people in the church that are that are um, not here as well due to sickness and things like that. So we'll just spend a little bit of time in prayer as we begin. Almighty God, we've we've been reminded as we've sung this morning. Um, even even this a simple song like My God is so big and yet that's such a helpful reminder for us. Uh, that you are big, you are grand, you are great, you're glorious. Uh, we, need, we need to hear from you, we need to know you, because um, that's the best thing for us. And so this morning as we come before your word, help us to understand it, um, help me to speak clearly, uh, and help us most importantly to apply it to our lives as we go on this journey of life to become more like Jesus, empowered by the Holy Spirit. Thank you for everyone here this morning. Thank you um, for this, this group of Christians that gather together to glorify you together. Uh, it's a blessing to be here thinking of people that aren't here this morning, um, that are unwell. Um, just grateful for the new life as well um, to Stefan and Renelle and Lucas and just pray they'll be well and um, be able to get back to join us soon as well as they desire to do. So, Please be where you are with us. um, Please help us know your presence. Help us to uh, be aware that you're speaking to us this morning. Um, Help us to be humble to hear your word. It's not always easy. Um, Pray this for your glory. Amen. It doesn't take long speaking to most people, but you'll find out quickly uh, there isn't peace. If you read the news, there's no peace. If you go on social media, there's no peace. Sides are just attacking each other over whatever the, the current issue of the day is. And even if you follow uh, Christians, don't get off the hook here, depending on, on how broadly you sort of follow what's happening in Christianity around the world, various denominations, arguing about things, doctrinal divisions, there's not peace. <laughs> if you read, you'd think someone thinks something like a gardening magazine would be safe. But I read gardening magazines, and yet... There's no peace, seriously, like every article there's this fear about the future that comes through quite strongly. Um, you'd think somewhere there would be peace. But even down to our lives a little bit more, our colleagues at work, bickering, fights at work, there's just not peace. For the church in the wider Australian society, as we as, as changes come, as governments change, as society shifts perhaps from, from acceptance of Christianity to uh, more and more um, against it, it's hard to see peace. And if you wonder, if you've been like me, I've said it several times, I've heard others say, "What's it going to be like for the next generations? What are they going to have peace?" And then closer to home, we see these issues in our, with, with sin. We have broken families of sin, We have broken families due to sickness. There isn't peace. And you don't have to talk to people for long before you find out that peace is often elusive, and most people are struggling to have peace. And so is peace realistic? And our question this morning from God's word is, how do you get peace in this challenging life? And the good news, as always, is God's word does have something to say about that. It's raised the question, but it's also going to answer the question. So we have two encouragements this morning for you, for us. The two encouragements about how we get peace in this challenging life. The first one is, we rejoice in the Lord's return through prayer. The second one we'll see is we rejoice in God's goodness through our thinking. And then finally, we'll make some practical applications as well out of that. So these aren't easy encouragements. Encouragements aren't always easy, but they're real and powerful. Because as Paul has written earlier in the letter that we're looking to today, it's God who works in you, God who works in us. So if you don't have your Bible, like I I encourage you to follow along in Philippians A quick recap, sort of, to to place us where we are in Philippians this morning. Um, It's a a letter Paul wrote to the saints in Philippi. So it may may have been one church, it might have been multiple churches, but saints—that's a designation for Christians, those who are set apart by God. And so, in in world history, this is when uh, the Roman Empire was in power. It was written by the apostle Paul, and it's a series I've been doing over several um, preaching occasionally over several years now. Today we're in chapter 4, Philippians chapter 4, and i got Tully to to read out the start just to to give us some context again as well. But this morning we're looking at chapter 4 of Philippians, verses 4 to 9. And this section is going to answer this question for our lives with these two specific encouragements about how do you get God's peace in a challenging life. And so the first is we rejoice. We rejoice in the Lord's return through prayer. So see that in the text from verse 4 in Philippians. It says, Philippians chapter 4, verse 4, it says, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say, rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And so, rejoicing and joy, they're major themes in this letter. And Paul has repeated these phrases several times already. And it's helpful for them, the Philippians, receiving this letter. It's also helpful for us because it gives us the tone or the atmosphere of the letter, what he's, how we're meant to read these encouragements and understand what Paul's saying. And the word that uh, trans- he says, rejoice in the Lord. And then it says, let your reasonable witness be known to everyone. Other English translations, they use the word uh, gentle or gracious or considerate, and then obviously here we've got reasonable, and so that gives you an idea of the meaning of the word. And so God's people should be known to be reasonable. Doesn't say compromising, doesn't say antagonistic. It's gentle, gracious, considerate. And so, why do Christians need the encouragement? Why do they need the encouragement to be reasonable? That's because Christians are different from their surrounding culture. And here, simply, Christians are rejoicing in the Lord, and what's the surrounding culture not doing? If there's one thing guaranteed they're not doing, it's they're not rejoicing in the Lord. Otherwise, they would be Christians. And so we see uh, in chapter 2, verse 14, Paul highlights just the the, the contrast between the church um, and the world around them. Chapter 2, verse 14, he says, Do all things without grumbling or disputing, being reasonable could come into that. You may be blameless and innocent, children of God, without blemish. Where are they in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation? But what are they meant to be like? They're among whom you shine as lights in the world. And so that's what they're meant to, um, how they're meant to be reasonable. And then to go with this encouragement, he encourages them not to be anxious. And you think, well, why would they be anxious? Well, what do we know about the Philippians? Well, they're facing opposition from outside the church. They're facing false teaching trying to come into the church. They've got division within the church. Just a few verses earlier that I preached last time, um, these two people actually named out and said, hey, you need to agree on these things. So risking division. I mean, one of their members who's basically taken the letter that this um, or given the report to Paul is sick and away from them. And the great apostle Paul, and the missionary who founded their church, he's in prison and at risk of death. There's some reasons to be anxious there, and so they could be anxious about their future. They're going to think, "Is Christianity even going to survive?" You know, the great, the great teacher, the great leader is in prison. Is this, is this the end? You know, have they believed in Jesus in vain? Touched on the question: What's life going to be like for their children? as the world um, pushes in on their belief system. Will their church survive or will it break apart with division? Will this division, will this issue between the people become the, the thing that breaks the church apart? There's a lot of reasons they could be anxious. And I think we can relate to the Philippians in those ways. And our question is, how do we get God's peace in this challenging life? And specifically the challenge of being a disciple of Jesus. It's not necessarily addressing every issue we might face, but as disciples of Jesus that are not meant to be anxious, that are being reasonable, how do we get God's peace? And when we ponder these scenarios, God's peace, it seems distant. But Paul knew and God knows that his people need encouragement for this challenging, and we get God's peace as we rejoice in the Lord's return through prayer. Because those key words, I don't know if you caught them, in verse 5, right in the middle of chapter 4, it says, The Lord is at hand. We read Lord kind of easily, the Lord's at hand, cool. Um, But for the Philippians, that was a really loaded term because they're living in a time when Caesar, the Roman emperor, he was the one you meant to call Lord, so when they call Jesus Lord, they're, they're going right up against the ruling power of the time, the main authority in their world. To say the Lord is at hand, they're they're um, giving their allegiance to a different king, to Jesus. But that's the very basis for the encouragement. Paul knows that. He knows that's a loaded term. He's not just, just throw, throw a line. He's giving them a loaded term, but that's the very basis for their encouragement as they seek um, God in this challenging life. And so this term, um, the Lord is near, it's kind of got, got two angles to it. One is this sense that God is near, that God is close. And so the almighty God of the universe is actually with them. The Lord is near. We could say, if I said, or um, well, the Lord is at hand. You know, I could say my Bible's at hand because I, I can grab it. It's, it's at hand. And so there's a sense in which this, this phrase is talking to the fact that as they face these challenges, they can trust that God is near to them. But also the Lord is near, it's got an end times or a future perspective. It's sort of a technical way of talking about the fact that Jesus is actually coming back. And so their confidence as they face the challenging times is that Jesus Christ is actually coming back and that's going to inform how they face this challenging life. And that's what's going to be the basis of peace. Because interestingly, us and the Philippians are actually at the same point in biblical history. Both of us are living in the time, even though um, time-wise we're, we're a couple of thousand years roughly apart, we're actually both in the same biblical timeline where Jesus has come and Jesus is coming again. They were living, Jesus has been, or maybe they were a lot closer, um, Jesus is coming again, don't know, I guess we're closer, um, don't know how much, but a lot, we're closer than they are. And so we're actually living in the same time. This is written to, to Christians that are living in the same time, even though uh, practically very different uh, places in the world. And see, the first time Jesus came, and the second time, the first time Jesus came humbly to them. We see that in chapter 2, verses 4 to 8. It says, Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, talking about Christ Jesus, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but he emptied himself by taking the form of a servant being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. So how does that help us, Jesus coming humbly when we're facing opposition, when we're, when we're, when we're anxious, when we feel like we're under attack? Well, a little bit later, just a few verses later, Paul has talked about the humble Jesus And he talks about Jesus who's coming back in verse 9 of chapter 2. Therefore God has highly exalted him, that's Christ, and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus, this is in the future, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So this Lord, who every knee will bow, Jesus Christ the Lord, he is the one who's at hand. And so as he writes to be reasonable, as he writes to not be anxious, it's our confidence is based on the fact that Jesus is the king and that he's coming back. I mean, that's easy to say, though, isn't it? I mean, be reasonable, don't be anxious, Jesus is near. But our, our minds, they scream, I'm not going to be considerate in this, this situation given what's, what's happening around me. I can't help feeling anxious. I'm, I'm struggling to feel Jesus is coming back. But God gives us a way to help, help our minds be focused on that. And back in the passage we're looking at today, it's a, the, he's given them, the Lord is at hand, do not be anxious. But He gives them a practical way. How do you work that out in your life? How do you focus on that? And it's through prayer. From verse 6, second part of verse 6. says, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And these four words here, they're saying the same thing four times. He's just emphasising the point, come before God in prayer. And so what does, what does prayer do? I mean, how does, how does prayer help us with facing a challenging life with anxiety? Because God already knows everything, so it's not like we're informing God of what's happening in the situation. Or even what's maybe a lot of anxiety might happen in our minds. God knows our minds too. So it's not that God knows our thoughts. So there's, there's kind of a couple of elements to this. It's actually as individuals, one element is that individuals, as we pray, we're actually, we're focusing our minds toward God. Specifically here on the truth of Jesus' return. And so when we consider that the Lord is at hand, that's going to inform our prayers. And the aligning of our minds with who God is, that'll be the movement toward experiencing the peace of God. As we remind ourselves the gospel truth, that, uh, that's the in Jesus or in Christ, our minds, they become guarded. So what, what, what might we remind ourselves of? Well, one gospel truth we could remind ourselves when we pray is that we are at peace with God. And that's through Jesus Christ. We're no longer enemies of God through life and that's through the life, death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And it also helps us see our challenges in a in a in the right perspective, because life's challenges can be really, really difficult. And I don't need to tell you that. And often the only hope we have is the fact that this life is not it that there is a future hope, that Jesus is going to return and he's going to restore the brokenness of the world and our situation because many of them won't be fixed in this life. Many of the challenges won't be resolved now. And it doesn't say make your requests known to God and they'll be fixed. It's not a magic bullet, just pray about it and God will fix it. And we all know that. But it's that as we go through this life, the return of Christ as we remind ourselves through that of that fact through prayer. As we bring the pains, the sorrows, the stresses, the anxieties of a challenging life, we can experience the peace of God now. And prayer is helping us to realign our mind toward who God is. And another way with prayer that can help us, because keeping in mind, this this is written to um, a group, everyone didn't get their own copy of this letter. This is written, this would have been read aloud um, to the to the whether one church, multiple churches, uh, they would have heard this together as a group. When we pray, we're being united. Hopefully, when Frank was leading us, when I led us before in prayer, hopefully the person praying is representing the corporate corporate mind, if I can put it that way, um, and we become aligned. Um, And much of this letter, it's been about unity, because unity is a a huge thing that can cause um, us to be anxious, that can cause us to be unreasonable. But as we pray together, as we focus our minds together on Christ, we grow in unity, we become more of the same mind and toward humility toward one another. Because see that in verse seven, what's being guarded, it's hearts and minds. It's not it's not just written to your heart and your mind, it's the hearts and the minds together are going to become guarded. And so verse 7, here's the hope we have. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, is going to guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. It's an interesting image that he uses guards, because Paul is writing this from prison. And so... Earlier in the letter, he actually refers to the fact that the whole uh, Roman imperial guard, the elite soldiers of Rome, are, are all hearing the gospel. You think, well, how are they hearing the gospel? That's unusual. Uh, it's because they have to guard Paul, and so he's they, they're they forced to be there, so he, he tells them, and so the whole thing's being found. And so I imagine as Paul's writing this, he's sort of, oh, what's this, what's this guard doing? Well, he's, he's oh, that's a good way of putting it, because the guard's actually doing a couple of things. He's both controlling the entry. People can't come in without permission. He's also controlling the exit. You can't. Paul can't leave because the guards there, and so there had been irony in me trying too hard to explain this piece, um, partly because it's something I wrestle with um, constantly too. Um, the other one is because it says it surpasses understanding, so trying to pretend I've understood it uh, would be would be silly. Um, but and and that's and that's the who God is. God's far beyond us. Um, bigger, greater than us and so his peace is something beyond um, just something that we can simplify into peace being, oh, it's, a, it's comfortable or it's, it's it's a nice feeling or it's being relaxed. It's, it's a deep spiritual um, reality that transforms us in our lives and we praise God for that but peace is what God, as we pray, as we think about that the Lord is at hand, the peace of God comes to guard our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus because when we don't have peace when we're anxious when we're not being reasonable it's easy for our hearts and minds to go a lot of different ways to think to both think about ourselves think about others it's just it's just a, it can become a messy bad dark place uh, once our minds and hearts aren't guarded but the gospel the good news of god through prayer through thinking about who Jesus is and what's happening that he's coming back our hearts and minds are guarded to have peace through God. And so it's not a, it's not a self-help message. It's not a just look into yourself and, and you'll have peace. It's, actually, it's God. It's about looking to God and receiving the peace that God offers. And I think that's why partly that it's, it surpasses understanding because it's not something we look into ourselves for. It's something we're looking out to someone else who's bigger and grander than we can understand. But Paul doesn't just leave it there. I mean, because one of the best ways to focus and help realign our mind as we face this challenging life is thinking differently. Rather than anxiety, we can choose to focus on something else instead. Or, um, and so the second way, the second encouragement to get God's peace in this challenging life is we rejoice in God's goodness through our thinking, through our minds. Because you could think being a Christian and having being a peaceful being a Christian who has peace, you think, okay, maybe that's kind of sombre or serious or sort of stoic, an older word. Um, you know, just, just focused and praying. You know, that stereotype of religious people being kind of uptight, being serious. Maybe maybe that's what a peaceful Christian looks like. But that's that's what I've got to be like. <laughs> a lot of laughs there. I don't know. I don't know. That's interesting. Um, so... Uh, but that's no, that's not what Paul says. Because how the letter, how did it start, and what's the theme throughout this letter? He says rejoice. He says rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I'll say rejoice. His theme here, he's rejoicing. It's a positive, encouraging vibe um, that he's giving about it. And so, rather than um, a response to, okay, well, be reasonable, I'll not be anxious, I guess that means I'll just be very serious and inward and, and miserable maybe, is actually, no, it's actually look at the good, look at what God has done, look at what God is doing in the world. And that's actually the, the flip side um, to the, on this facing this challenging life of having peace is that we re- can rejoice in God's goodness. We do that through our thinking. See that in verse 8 and 9, Philippians 4. Finally, brothers, and as Mark pointed out last week, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is honourable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, that's Paul, Practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. Does this life have challenges? Yes. Yes, it does. But God is great and good. And in God and in his world, is there good to focus on too, even though there are a lot of challenges? Absolutely. And God's people are those who rejoice in those good things. Who God's people are the ones that see the beauty, the truth, the loveliness in what God has done, things that are worthy of praise, and that helps us have peace and experience the peace of God. And interestingly with peace, that's actually who God is. One of the fruit of the Spirit is peace. The Holy Spirit is talking about the spirit of peace. And here we have mentioned multiple times the peace of God, the God of peace. We're actually getting God when we focus on the good And so, what is, what, is, what is not being anxious? What is reasonable? What does it look like? Well, Paul, he gives a whole bunch of things. I think it's helpful for us to think through um, these categories. It's what's true. I think we ought to think about what's true. It's what's honourable. What's just. What's pure. What's lovely interestingly uh, commentator say it's pushing it's pushing back on this view yeah sort of stoic um, very serious somber sort of thing and it's like no no god's people should be the ones seeing the beauty they should be the ones looking around and seeing the loveliness around them even in a broken world that's what they should be it's what's commendable it's what's excellent the things that are worthy of praise think about these things focus your mind on these things As a church, as the people of God, focus your mind on these things. And that's where where churches, Christian communities should be a powerful example of the goodness of God. Uh, To visitors, people who do not have peace with God, those you are around, when they see Christians who are focused on what's worthy of praise, Again, yeah, these aren't to say that um, it doesn't dismiss the challenges. It doesn't dismiss and say they're not there. But at the same time, there's there's good, there's good things, there's true, there's honourable, there's just, there's pure, there's lovely, there's commendable, excellent, there's worthy of praise things to think about. And Paul says to not believe them without an example. When when he was with them in his writing, the companions that he's sending back to them, he said, follow us as an example. Don't, don't you know? If if you're wondering what does this look like, well, this is. How, um, how it plays out. And if you look back through his letter, you just see over and over Paul uh, reverting back to praise to God because he just, he just as he thinks, he thinks about, wow, that's who God is. Wow, that's what God's doing. That's what God's up to in the world. These are these other people that are doing great things. These are these other people who are sharing, loving. And so there's this example that Paul gives them and says, if you're not sure what that looks like, follow my example. And so... As we come to sort of near the application of this, the it's easy to um, think. For some people, this would be really easy. Think, oh yeah, I'm happy. I, I remember a gentleman at church I was at. He um, there was an element of personality to it, but he was he would he would just walk. Around, he was a technician. He repaired stuff, um, and he would just walk around, whistling, singing like constantly. Um, and again, there's a pers- there was a personality element to it, but he would do it anyway, like random person's home he's gone in to fix their appliance and he would just be whistling away and he, he could share stories over and over people just go like what, what, what's why are you happy like what's what's good on a tuesday morning when whatever's broken down um and he was had the opportunity to share with them because he was, he was rejoicing um and his life had challenges um for sure but that was just an example of someone who in, in their rejoicing in have in the in the knowledge of god's peace he was actually able to share that with others as well and for some people, that's really easy. For some people, um, talking about this, you think, yeah, that's that's easy. Peace, yep. Do not be anxious. I'm all over that. That's fine. Be reasonable. Yep, I've got that one covered. And like any any command, anything in Scripture, some things are really easy. Earlier, Paul talks about generosity. Some people go, oh yeah, generosity. I'll be generous. Like, what do you want? And here it is. Um, other people, it's like, oh, that's you want. I have to give something up, you know. And and similar to this anxiety. Some of us are going to going to find that really difficult. Um, some of our challenges, our life, the challenges are going to be a lot harder um, or maybe just the way we experience them will be a lot harder. But scripture, it says, um, and Paul has written to them um, and the confidence they have, the, the, the hope that we have as we face this is what Paul's written earlier to them in chapter 2, verse 12. Paul says, Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now not only is in my presence but much more in my absence he says work out your own salvation with fear and trembling so it's not going to be easy but he says it's at the confidence we have it's for God who works in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure the confidence we have is God as we as we struggle to get God's peace in this challenging life as we try to rejoice in the Lord's return through our prayers and how we try to rejoice in God's goodness through our thinking, we remember and encourage that God is at work in our lives. And so there may may be a lot of ways we could apply this practically in our lives. Um, But some examples that that may be helpful to you or not that I thought of. As we face anxiety and, and anxiousness and we think of the God of peace, Maybe for some people it'd be helpful to write a note somewhere, you know, whether it's and put that in a sticky note um, or a reminder on your phone. If there's somewhere where you constantly find that's where I'm, at, that's that's where I'm anxious. That's where a little note saying the Lord is at hand might be really helpful. Just to pop up at eight o'clock on Tuesdays when I'm on social media and think the world's going to end. Go, oh, that's right, the Lord is at hand. Maybe it's next to a screen as we watch the news. And we just think this is all. This is just a basket case. Just a reminder that the Lord is at hand. Maybe it's on the on your kid's light switch as you say goodnight to them, and you just think, "What's their life going to be like?" And then you remind the Lord is at hand. Maybe a response is, as this is said, to respond to God in prayer. Maybe it's just maybe it's making a habit of prayer with other Christians, even. Uh, and you can do that this morning. Uh, the prayer team will be down the front here if you just want to pray with someone. Um, that's great. If you want to turn to the person next to you, that's great. Um, just a responding to God actively in prayer as a way of, um, as I said, if it's a, do not be anxious. Um, be reasonable. Focusing God and coming to God in prayer and, and seeking God's peace through prayer. Maybe it's, it's the practice of gratitude or thankfulness. It's, it's actively looking for what is good, what's lovely, what's just, what's excellent in the world. And just whether you write that down to yourself or you make a habit of sharing that with others. Maybe you're in a group where it can easily turn negative and inward focused. Maybe it's like, what's, what's, what's good? What's, what's positive? What's lovely? What can we focus on that will help change and help our minds be realigned to the reality that the Lord is at hand? Maybe this morning you are you're just rejoicing in the Lord. Maybe you walked in here, you're on, um just excited, you're rejoicing in the Lord. When you heard it was this verse, you thought, that's that's fantastic, it's my favorite verse ever. And that's fantastic. Like be encouraged by that and share that with others, because that's a that's a real blessing when you meet people that are rejoicing in the Lord, even though sometimes it's a bit, oh, that's nice for them, but you know, my life's hard. Um, but we need to encourage one another in that. We need others who are rejoicing. To be example, and that's what Paul says. He says, "Follow my example here." You know, I, I'm not going to. He's not. He's not. Doesn't put himself down about that. He says, "No. If if my example is following Christ, then that's a good example to follow." And maybe you're here this morning, um, and or maybe watching online, and you think, "I don't have peace. I want peace." Like, what? What's? Why do Christians talk about peace? What is the peace of God? Maybe you think oh, rejoicing in the Lord. Maybe that's actually what God's drawing me to do now. You want the God of peace. So how do, you, how do you do it? How do you get the God of peace? Like I said, it's not, a, it's not a self-help message. It's a God is at work and God is at help message. And so how you do that is you turn away from your sin. You confess Jesus as Lord. And the Bible, a biblical word for that is repent. But it's this, this message of, like the Philippians, we're meant to not say Caesar is Lord, but you actually say Jesus is Lord. So whatever in our lives we put up as the Lord, the King, the thing we rule, the thing that controls us, it's turning from that and it's turning to the Jesus, the God who is the Lord. And you believe. You believe in him as Lord. That's, and the promise of God is you'll be saved. And the promise of God is that you begin to experience the peace of God which surpasses all understanding and that guards our hearts and minds but it guards our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus because he is the God of peace. And so we're going to we go to communion now, time of communion, and communion is an opportunity to rejoice in the Lord. Um, some church traditions it's quite a sombre sort of experience; some it's quite all over the place. Um, we're probably somewhere between that, uh, typically. But and just this morning, in the in the context of this letter, in the context of what we've heard this morning, there's there's, there's a time for both. Um, we rejoice in the Lord. It's an opportunity. What are we rejoicing in? we well, rejoicing um, in the the. the Bread, it's uh, representing Christ's body. We're rejoicing that He, Jesus, was fully human. He came to this earth. He lived a perfect life, in place of the life we couldn't live. We're rejoicing in that, and it's His blood. It's the grape juice that we're going to drink. It represents Jesus' blood. Jesus, again, coming to earth, His blood was shed as a way for the um, for God to see Jesus' blood covering our sin, blood that um, and not ours. He came. Jesus came in our place. And we celebrate, and the reason we do communion is we celebrate that Jesus is no longer dead, but he's risen. And now he's through us, through that Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit of peace. And so the Lord is at hand, and until he comes back, until those words there, the Lord is at hand, are fulfilled, and Jesus comes back, we do communion, and we rejoice together to remember that he is the God of peace. So if you believe in Jesus as Lord this morning, feel free to join in. Uh, if you don't, please don't be embarrassed to stay in your seat. We're, we're really glad you're here. Don't be embarrassed at all by that. Um, it's fantastic to have you with us. Um, so take a couple of moments um, just to, to reflect on that, um, to pray. Uh, it's a great way of responding uh, within to yourself. Um, Colin's going to come and help me hand them out. And then in a couple of moments, we'll, um, we'll serve the communion together.